We welcome those of you joining us from downstairs in our traditional sanctuary. All those who, also, those of you online are listening to our podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson, and we're glad to have you with us today. Uh, we are in the midst of this uh, series called Wisdom, in which we are talking about uh, what we do with information, facts, knowledge. Right? We all have this information that's just flooding us every day, and so what do we do with that? That's what wisdom is, is how we apply the wisdom and knowledge, and knowledge that we have in our lives uh, to better ourselves. And we've been looking a lot at what God teaches us about having wisdom in our lives. So glad you're here uh, for this discussion today. If you missed any of our messages, they're online. I hope you'll check those out. Uh, and today I want to think about making wise decisions in our lives. And I was thinking this week, what are some of the most important decisions that we make in our life? Uh, I came up with a list and see what you guys think about that. I probably didn't get everything, but some of the most important decisions that we make in our lives, I think one of them is who are the people that we surround ourselves with? Who do you want to do life with? What does that look like? Your family, your friends, uh, the colleagues, uh, people that you go to school with, right? As you choose people to do life with, who are those people in your life? Uh, one of the most important decisions is who's going to be our significant other. Will we have a significant other to share our life with? Will we get married? Who is that person? That is a huge and a monumental decision. Who are going to be our friends, the people that we lean on when uh, we need them the most, go through the ups and downs of life? Who are the people that we choose to be our friends? Will we choose to have children if that's possible? How will we raise them? What will that look like? Who will our family be? Right? So I think... Who we do life with is a very big, important decision that we make. Also, what are you going to do with your life? Right? You've been give, given gifts and abilities and talents. What are you going to do? What's your career going to be? How are you going to make the world a better place? What are you going to do Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, or, or other hours? What does that look like? How are you going to spend the majority of your waking hours? What has God created you to do? What are you called to do? And, and how do you do that? Where will you study to do this? What schools will you go to? Will it be college? Will it be trade school? Will it be the school of hard knocks, right? What, what schools, what education do we get to do what God has created us to do? What does that look like in our lives? Uh, I think other questions that we might ask ourselves, how do we take care of our bodies? How do we take care of ourselves physically? Will we eat right? Will we exercise? Will we get enough rest? What does that look like? Uh, where will we live in our lives? Will we, we choose to live in the Charlotte area? Why did you choose to be here? Uh, where would you maybe want to be if it wasn't here? What is it, where do we choose to live our lives? How will we uh, have a relationship with money? What does that look like? How, how do we look at money? Is that something that we just need to get a whole lot of? How much is enough? What are we willing to do for money and stuff? What does that look like in our lives? Um, what will we do as, in terms of having a moral or an ethical code? How will we behave around people? How do we know what's right and what's wrong? How do we know what's good and what's evil? Right? What code do we follow? Do we follow a code? Are we just going to do what we want? What does that look like in our lives? Um, what do we believe? What do we believe in life? What do we believe politically? What political party do we follow? What, uh, what things do we think about? Are we capitalist? Are we socialist? Are we communist? What, what are our big ideas, thoughts look like? Are we, do we believe in pacifism? Do we believe that violence is acceptable at some point? Like big picture ideas. And then, of course, spiritually, right? Do we believe in God? Will we follow a God? What does that look like? Will we be active in a community of faith? How will following a God reflect in our lives, right? So as I'm thinking about it, these are some of the 
big decisions in our life. I probably missed a few, and uh, if I did, see me afterwards and let me know what, what I probably missed. Uh, but today I'd like for us to think about that, that last category. What do we believe? More specifically, will we choose to be religious? Will we choose uh, to follow what we think is a God, a divinity, that sort of thing. Obviously, we're in a Christian church. I'm a Christian pastor, so I choose to follow Jesus. Why is that? And why do I think that you might want to consider doing that? And so today, what are those big decisions in your life that you're going to make? And is religion, obviously, it's something you're considering or you wouldn't be here today or watching today, maybe at least interested in that. What role does religion, God, play in our lives? And what are we allegiant to? We're going to spend some time today in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. So Joshua lived about 1,400 years before Jesus was born. (laughs) We really like Joshua around here, so... So to put Joshua in context, uh, we're going to go back a little bit further in time. We're looking around two, plus 2,000 years, plus or minus before Jesus. God called a man named Abram and a woman named Sarai to leave their homeland. They lived uh, in the Euphrates area, which would be modern-day Iraq. And God said to Abram and Sarai, who later would become known as Abraham and Sarah, I want you to leave your homeland, and I want you to move you to a place called Israel. And I will make you into a great family. And from your family, I will build a great nation. I will give you this land of Israel flowing with milk and honey. And through your family, through your nation, I will bless the entire world. So Abram and Sarai thought about that. They decided, okay, what the heck? We're going to go with this. And they ran with God. And sure enough, they went into the land of Israel. They became a huge family. They became a huge nation. Fast forward the story about 2,000 years, and Jesus comes from this family. And obviously, we believe that Jesus came to save the entire world. So the people of Israel were there about 2,000 years before Jesus. Uh, They have to, at some point, leave Israel to go into Egypt because there's a huge famine that's going on in Israel. And so they go to Egypt as friends. This is kind of like the third generation after Abram. Right, so we have Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. Then Jacob has 12 sons, so we're in that fourth generation. They go down into Egypt. They go as friends. They're welcome there. Uh, but soon after that, the Egyptians shift on them. They become uh, enemies, and the Israelites become enslaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. So God one day hears the cry of the Israelites, and he sends a man named Moses, and, you know, 1,400 years before Jesus, plus or minus. And he says to Moses, I want you to free the people of Israel. We're going to send them back to the promised land. So Moses leads them out uh, of Egypt in this dramatic way. You can see it in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Uh, and then Joshua is, is one of the folks who ends up being in this group with Moses, and it becomes Joshua's job to finish the deal, to close the deal, to lead the people of Israel back into the promised land of Israel. And that's what Joshua has done. And in the midst of all these years, the big challenge for Abraham, uh, the big challenge for Sarah, the big challenge for all of their descendants and Moses uh, and Joshua has been to keep the people focused on God. Because the people of that day believed in other gods uh, that we believe were not truly gods. They weren't real divinities, but they were worshipped. They were gods of the Euphrates, gods of Egypt, gods that were in the land of Israel. And so the consistent message was be true to the one God. 
Right? Be allegiant to the one God. Don't give into these false gods. They often had little idols that were formed of them. And so Joshua has been tasked to do that, and he's done it his whole life. And so now in Joshua's life, he's 110 years old. He's basically on his deathbed. He gets all the people of Israel to come around, and he has a message to tell them. Okay, so this is the message that Joshua has, his last message to the people of Israel, this pillar of our faith, and this is, this is what he says in Joshua, uh, the end of it. Let me go to that first one. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Fear the Lord means have respect for God. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River. Remember Abraham and Sarah. And in Egypt when they were in captivity. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua's big dramatic moment, right? We know the history. We know what it took to get here. I can't make you do anything. You need to choose for yourself who you're going to be allegiant to. Who will you serve? Who will you follow? From Joshua's perspective, this was the wisest decision someone can make. Who's number one in your life? Who do you follow and who do you serve? And Joshua makes it clear, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, the one true God. I love this passage of Scripture. Um, when I was growing up as a kid, we had that last part on a plaque on our front door of our house. And I remember that uh, so vividly, and it meant a lot to my family. And, and obviously, I, I followed the Lord, right? I followed Jesus. I, I just continued to do that, so it's important for me. But I think that's a question for you today, for all of us. Ultimately, who do you follow and who do you serve, right? At the top, right? Like, we all have to follow bosses and teachers and all kinds of things in our life. But who do you give your prime allegiance to, right? Who is that? What is that? Right? So I want to think about that today and some things that might lead us off the path of that. Right? As Joshua cautioned, there are other things competing for our attention and our love than God. Now for us, the temptation is probably not the gods of the Euphrates, the gods of Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites. Uh, we, we don't believe in those. Right? We, we might be tempted to look at gods of other current modern day religions, but I think our gods, the things that compete for, for the one true God's attention in our life, look a little bit differently. And so I want us to think about what our idols might be today, things that we might love and value more than God. So today as we think about who do we follow, who do we serve, is that a wise thing to follow, is it a wise thing to serve? I think some clues for us about what we love the most what we value the most in our lives is how we use our resources. How do we spend our time? How do we use our gifts and abilities, our talents? And how do we spend our money? If you want to know what you truly value, look at your calendar and look at your bank statement. Because right? I think that says a lot about where we put our focus. These are things that are important to us, our time and our money and our talents. So what does that look like? 
in our lives. So we're going to look at some things that I think might be things that we would serve instead of God. And the, the, the kind of definition I'm using today is what do you love more than God? Right? What might you love more than God? And the clue is how you use your time, how you use your money, how you use your talents. Now, the hard part's going to be when we start looking at things that might be idols in our lives, many of them are very good things. There's nothing wrong with most of these things. Right? The challenge is we get them out of order. They become more important to us than God does. And that's the problem of idolatry, right? We worship something other than God. We love something more than God. We take something that's good that God says it's great for you to have in your life, but we elevate it over God. So what do we elevate more than God? What might we be more allegiant to than God? Right? Is that a wise decision? Ultimately, who or what do you serve? Who or what do you follow? Right, so some things I think that might get us off track, uh, one of them is people, right? We love people, and we're supposed to love people. God said loving people is right, the second most important thing to do, love God and love people. And so sometimes I think we do elevate other people over God. That's easy to do, like with your spouse or your significant other, with your children or your grandchildren, right? It's, it's easy to put them up top. And again, there's nothing wrong with loving family or friends, right? Some of us even put other people above God. We put politicians, right? Some of us really believe in what the Democrats are doing or what the Republicans are doing, and, and we're going to follow their leaders no matter what they say, right? So some of us, it might be a teacher that we follow. Some of us, it might be uh, a movie star or a rock star or a sports star, right? And so a lot of times, where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our money? What are we thinking about? What are we wearing? Right? What could that be in our lives? Could we have elevated someone above Jesus? And again, nothing wrong with loving people. Nothing wrong with admiring people. The problem happens when we get it out of alignment. So who do you follow? Who has your heart? Who has your money? Who has your time in your lives? I think another thing that we might see become an idol um, is ideas, our ideas, right? What do we believe? Right? Some of us, again, politics, right? Whatever the Democratic Party does, I'm going with it. Whatever the Republican Party does, I am going with it, right? Even if it puts me against other Christians, right? Some of us, patriotism can become an idol, right? Where we love America so much that we love America more than we love God, right? We see this a lot in history. When Christians of one country kill Christians of another in war, We've chosen the flag over God, right? Christians shouldn't be killing Christians at all, right? So are there ideals, right? Is it capitalism? Hey, we're, we're all about, number one, take care of yourself, right? The cream rises to the top, the strongest. Some of us, it's socialism. Hey, we should help spread the wealth out and help people who can't help themselves, right? What are the ideas in our lives that can be good ideas that we end up making more important than God? Right, I think sometimes, also, uh, it can be entertainment. Like, we love entertainment as people, right? Especially in America, we love to be entertained. And, and so sometimes I think we elevate television and movies and social media above God. Think about the time and the money that we spend on all kinds of things. We do sports and music and concerts, right? All kinds of hobbies, right? And again, these are great things, but are we spending as much time and money and, and love on God as we are on some of the things that we do in our lives? 
Right? So I think it can be entertainment. I think it can be economics, right? The pursuit of money, right? God talks a lot about the danger of pursuing wealth in the Bible. Nothing wrong with wealth, especially if you use it right. But it says you can't serve God and money in the Bible. It says it very clearly in the Bible. And, and is that the pursuit of wealth? How much is enough, right? Uh, and part of this economic stuff is it can be like the accumulation of stuff. Like, what is it that you collect? What are the, what's sitting on your shelves? What's in your garage? Like, how many ATVs do you have? How many video game consoles do you have? How many uh, little figurines that you dust uh, uh, on the shelf? Do, you know, how many people collect plates? I don't know, right? We all have stuff. How full of our closets of clothes that we don't wear? How many rooms do we have in our house that we don't use, right? And, and when we begin to collect a lot of stuff... And we have more than we need, and people in the world don't have anything at all. Could we be worshiping idols? Again, not bad to have a house, not bad to have clothes, not bad to have cars, not bad to have investments, not bad to have savings. When does it cross the line of our allegiance to God and our allegiance to things in our lives? I think other things that can tempt us uh, are knowledge. Right? We want to be smart. We want to get degrees. We want to know things. Knowledge is power. I think power is another thing that can lead us astray. Right? I, I have this position. I have this power. I can make other people do stuff. Like We want to have control of things in our lives. I think sometimes our health can become an idol. Uh, you can become a fitness person that just obsesses with your body, which is nothing wrong, right? And, but sometimes we, we take that too far, uh, and it becomes our whole focus in life. I think we can do this with just about anything. I think we can do it with work. I, I think I've seen folks who work 60, 80, 100 hours a week, all day, every day. They neglect their families. They neglect their bodies. They neglect God, right? Sometimes what we do is important, and we love it, and we feel pressure that we have to perform there, and, and pretty soon it can become the most important thing in our lives. And again, all these things are pretty good stuff. It's just it's out of order. Right? If we love something or someone more than God, that's the problem. And we can see that with how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we use our talents and abilities. What in your life might be an idol? What might be leading you astray from God or over God? Now, here's the problem with idols and other things being placed as God. There's two problems with it. The first is, Nothing that we treat like God as an idol can be God. So at some point, we will be disappointed sorely. If my spouse is my God, at some point, she or he is not going to live up to the, the pedestal that I've placed them on, and we're going to be sorely disappointed. The same thing can be true of whatever it is that you're looking to be the God of your life. If it's money, you're going to be let down. Right? If it's sports or music, you're going to be let down. If it's an ideology, if it's a politician, at some point they cannot be God and you will be let down. The other side of this, the second thing that, that's problematic with this is how it affects them. Right? They will disappoint you, but it's also going to hurt them. Right? If my spouse is elevated like God and he or she can't live up to, to the expectations that I have, right? that's going to hurt them when I start treating them poorly, right? So we, we are going to be disappointed, and the thing that we're setting up as God, that can also be hurt as well, especially 
when it's another person. Let's think about what this looks like. When I do uh, premarital counseling with people, with couples who want to get married, and they've asked me to do that, I have a great time sitting down with them and thinking through things. And, and one of the points that I try to get across to them is that your spouse, your future spouse, is going to be your best friend. You guys are going to have each other's backs. It's awesome. But your, your spouse will not complete you as a person, right? There's this myth of I'm a half-empty person. There's another half-empty person. We come together, and now we're one whole person. That's not true, right? That's idolatry. Right? Healthy relationship is two whole people who have a relationship to God coming together to share their lives. Right? If you're looking for another person to complete you, they will fail. And your relationship will fail. It will be codependent, and it, it, it's not going to be pretty. Right? And so that's one example. Another example happened yesterday. I was at a basketball game for my son. Uh, had three games yesterday, and we were at a local high school. And playing in that game, uh, we were up. Uh, about 20 points or so, which was fun, you know. And, but there was a parent who was sitting in a section next to us uh, who was a parent of a player on the other team. And he didn't like how one of our players was guarding his son. And so we started yelling at our player, uh, saying that, you know, it's okay for his son to be violent against him. And he said, who's your dad? I'm going to beat him up if you keep playing like that, right? And so I look over at him, and he looks at me, and he's like, is that your son? Right? It wasn't my son, but he was one of our players, you know, I was like, it's not my son, but chill out, man. You know, like, it's a basketball game. Yeah. And look at the scoreboard, right? You're down 20, right? So I probably shouldn't have said that. Because <laughs> then he stands up and points to me. I'm going to kick your bleep. You are a bleep, 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 bleep. And goes off. Like, he totally loses it. Like, I'm thinking, what is he in the sixth grade, right? You know, is this medieval Europe? Are we going to stand up after the game and fight over a basketball play? Like, give me a break. So they had to call the cops because this guy was crazy, right? And they talked to him. They talked to me. They're like, do you want to press charges? I'm like, no, I don't want to press charges. I just want to watch a basketball game in peace. You know, it's like, seriously. And, but, you know, since that happened, I've been thinking, and I wonder how his son felt. He's down 20. He's not performing well in the game. His dad is screaming at him, screaming at another player, then screaming at me and screaming at whoever's in the stands. Like, how, does, how much pressure does that little boy have? He wasn't a little boy. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a young man. Right? His dad's put him on a pedestal. Right? I don't think his dad was mad about basketball. I think his dad was mad about something in his life. And he's transferring that into sports. Like we see that all the time, right? That's why people get mad in traffic. They're not mad that you didn't put your blinker on. They're mad about something in their life, and they're going to transfer it over, right? He's upset about something in his life. He's transferring it to his son. He's putting his son up on a pedestal. If you're not performing great, I'm going to scream at you. I'm going to scream at everybody else. That's a terrible position to put your child in. That's putting things above God. That is having your allegiances messed up. Do you see the pain that can cause when you treat something else as you should treat God? And it was sad. There's no winners in what happened yesterday at all. So be careful of the things that you elevate above God. Because not only is it going to hurt you, but it's going to hurt them. Let's think about this. So if we are going to follow Jesus, if we're going to serve Jesus, why should we do that? 
Because a lot of people would say following Jesus is foolish. Why would you even think about that? You can't see Jesus. You can't talk to Jesus like you see me and talk to me, right? We talked a little bit about this last Sunday, if you want to dig into that a little bit more. Uh, I've talked to Jesus. I've prayed to Jesus. I've asked Jesus to help me. And guess what, Pastor Kyle? Bad stuff still happens in my life. It's foolish for me to believe in prayer. It's foolish for me to follow God because bad stuff still happens to me in my life. Fools follow Jesus. I can think of better ways to spend my money. I can think of better ways to spend my time and use my talents and abilities, right? And by the way, if Jesus was the Son of God and He was the one to save the people of Israel and to save the earth, He seems like a loser to me because didn't He get killed on a cross? Like, why would we follow a God you can't see, a God who can't stop bad things from happening to you, a God who who wants all your time and money, and a God who's a loser. Let's see what the Bible says about that. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolish for you to follow Jesus. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Foolish to the world, but wise in the eyes of God. Let's think about this. We believe that God created us in the image of God, and that is good, and that is beautiful. And not only are you guys and gals good looking, but you are like God. There is something of God in you. You can do goodness in the world. You can love people. You can forgive people. You can make the world a better place. You can be a co-creator for goodness in the world. That is inside of you. That's the reason that I follow God. God also gave us brains and the ability to make choices. God didn't create us as robots that would say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, without a choice, right? We can say, I love Jesus, or I love money. I love Jesus, or I love something else. I love Jesus, or I love power. We can make a choice. And sometimes we choose great, and we do great things for God. That inner image of God shines through us, and it's awesome to see. And sometimes we choose poorly. And we make decisions that hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And that's the problem. And that introduces into the world sin, which means to miss the mark. From that comes guilt. From that comes shame. From that comes death. We will die, right? From that comes hell, which means broken relationships, separation from God, separation from other people. You don't have to die to go to hell. You can have hell on earth believe me those are the problems and jesus said that's not what i did that's not why i created people that's that's not what i want and so jesus said if you want to fix a problem right do it yourself he left heaven he came to the earth he became a human being just like us but he also retained his divinity and he died on a cross and he came back to life to take care of our problems our sin our death our guilt our shame and hell He defeated it all when he came back to life. And now Jesus offers us life to the full on the earth and life everlasting in heaven. That's what the cross is to us. It's foolish to those who don't understand it, but to those of us who are being saved from sin and death and guilt and shame and hell, it's the power of God and it's wisdom. And if you don't yet know that, I would invite you to receive that gift today. That's what we're about. Life to the full in Jesus. Life forever in the kingdom of heaven. This is what we know as wisdom.
And I want you to think about something. Let me show you this next scripture. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus laid down his life for us, for you and for me. As you think about people in your life that might be elevated over God, let me ask you a question. Do you think Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden would die for you? You yourself, you individually. Do you think any governor or senator would take a bullet for you? Do you think a musician or a movie star or a television star or a sports star would take a bullet for you? Would be nailed to a cross for you? I would be surprised. Now, maybe a parent or a best friend or a grandparent uh, or a sibling might take a bullet for you, might die for you. But we know that Jesus did. He died for you. He died for you because he loves you and he wants you to have a life that is full. He wants a life for you that lives forever and eternity. To me, that's why I'm allegiant to Jesus. He created me in his image. He gives me love and forgiveness. Right? He is with me through good times and hard times. I still have hard times as a follower of Jesus because we live in a broken world and we make bad mistakes and other people make choices that hurt us. Right? It's unfair in the world. But I serve Jesus because even in bad situations, he works to bring good back into my life. And that's what the scripture says. And, and, he gave his life for me. That's why I am allegiant to Jesus. That's why I follow Jesus. That's why I think Jesus is the number one thing to follow and to serve. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. The wisest decision you can make is to follow Jesus. The wisest decision you can make to follow Jesus, right? You can still have family. You can still have friends. You can still have a job. You can still play sports. You can still listen to music. It's all good, right? But the wisest decision that we can do is to follow and to serve Jesus. So I'll ask you to do one thing. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. I can see Joshua standing up here today, 110 years old. You got to choose. You're going to serve God. You're going to serve sports. You're going to serve money. You're going to serve your job. Right? Who is number one in your life? The wisest decision you can make is to follow Jesus. Choose Jesus.